welcome to the All It Takes to Go podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm joined by Sean Cannell. Who's that? I'm so glad you asked. Sean is the CEO of Think Media and co-founder of Video Influencers. He's a YouTuber, international speaker, one of today's leading online YouTube experts, and the world's most watched YouTube strategist. His YouTube channels combined have over 2 million subscribers, and his videos have been viewed over 130 million times. We've been friends for a few years now, so it's always fun when I get to connect with people I actually know in quote-unquote real life. And you are going to love this episode. I sometimes tell you that I am a goal nerd. Sean is like me times 100x. We get into a conversation today about the goals he's working on, specifically around some of the health goals he's working on. And you are going to be fascinated. He's so interesting because he does a ton of little experiments where he goes, okay, I want to try this. So I'm going to try it for 30 days. I'm going to see if it works. And we really get dialed in on some health goals he's trying that are fascinating to me. So you're going to love this episode. Before we jump in, let's get a quick message about the sponsor of today's episode. Are you living up to your full potential? Dr. Mike Peasley and I asked over 3,000 people this question, and the research was wild. Here's what we found. 50% of people reported that 50% of their full potential is untapped. That means half of us are walking around with half lives. But What if you could have a fulfilling career? What if you could enjoy a thriving marriage and strong friendships? What if you could be in the greatest shape of your life? The good news is you can. In my new book, All It Takes is a Goal, you'll learn how to escape the comfort zone, avoid the chaos zone, and live in the potential zone. Plus, for a limited time, when you order by September 12th, you'll get amazing bonuses like the entire audiobook read by me. That's right, you get the entire audiobook for free. You also get a signed book plate and an exclusive download of my dream plan do review poster. Order your copy anywhere books are sold and then claim your bonuses at atgbook.com. That's atgbook.com. Sean, I am so glad we get to hang out today. We were just saying before we started that it's been a couple months since we got to see each other. So thank you for joining me on my podcast. I think it's going to be a blast. John, thanks so much for having me. Grateful to be here. Yeah, so we first got connected maybe about two, two and a half years ago, and I knew instantly you were my kind of guy because I think we look at goals in a lot of the same ways. Um, you're, you're rise and grind, you're a runner, you're a business owner, um, you're a family guy, like you're, you've got a lot of the same buckets that I have in my life. What's, was there a time in your life when you weren't working on goals and you started to go, oh, wait a second, I got to get this thing in motion, like the Sean train needs to be moving in the right direction? Or were you always goal focused? I think I've uh, grown into being goal focused. What's actually kind of wild was, uh, you know, back in high school, I got actually expelled from a Christian high school because I was partying, I was into rave drugs and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was not. So I didn't like come into my college years or my uh, early 20s with much vision, with even much ambition, but there was kind of then a turning point in my life and even in my faith that then I started to like, if you will, get more onto the 
solid, vision-focused. And I think that was the key, key number one. I actually think pre-goals is, is actually getting a clear vision is that actually having a, a picture of a preferred future and then starting to work backwards from that. And, and, you know, where there is no vision, we perish, right? So it's like, as the vision started to be something I captured for my life and for my future, then I started to arrange goals around that. Then I think secondly was personal development. I started to get around people that were, uh, again, people I was saying out in high school that the rave culture wasn't really taking me to a great place. Some people were like, what's, what's your vision? Well, hey, there's this really cool show coming up. Uh, we can maybe get some, you know, some E and some magic mushrooms and it's going to be amazing. And I was like, that was a vision. So I started getting around people that were maybe like, let's build a business. Let's change the world. Let's write a book. Let's, uh, you know, really build something. And so I think who you're around is helpful. So that started to rub, rub off. But then it was the intentional pursuit of goal setting best practices. And so whether it's early Brian Tracy stuff, and even I've loved your books and, and the community that you're connected to, um, growth and personal development helped me understand the power of goal setting. And I, I would argue my, my process is far from perfect. I mean, when I think about the fact you've got this amazing calendar and how systematized with, with it, maybe encouraging to some of your listeners, I'm not even close to the John Acuff level, but <laughs> the power of setting goals. And, and it was one of those, what was shocking is then maybe finally is that as soon as I started to set goals and simply record them, and I believe there's some real data and stats behind this, by the sheer nature of intentional goal setting, writing it down, um, sometimes a lot of times I overestimated what I could accomplish in a year. But I, I looked up some old journals and looked back at what I wrote in 2014 and 15 and was like, wow, this stuff is like now happened. And then there's been times where I've had to, of course, reach for new goals. And some of the worst seasons of my life is when I, when I reached them, but didn't intentionally pick the next goal or choose the next giant or set a new target. Then I found depression was sneaking around the corner or, and it went all the way back to that loss of vision, that loss of what are we going for next? And so uh, that's been a little bit of my journey. Well, I didn't know we shared the rave. I, I did rave senior of a uh college so i was like yeah you want to dance in a dark warehouse at 3 a.m with glow yes. sticks that we bought in the camping department of walmart that sounds amazing so yeah that was well, i was a mess in college i really didn't turn things around and get into goals until like my mid-30s um but I, i'm interested for you it doesn't seem like there was one eureka moment but it was rather a collection of things because i think sometimes people feel overwhelmed and go I have to find this one eureka moment. I have to have lightning strike. But it sounds like for you, it was changing the community you hung out with, starting to read some books, starting some write, to write some things down, starting to... YouTube was a big shift for you. How did you first... Because that's what you're known for. Like You joked about you don't have systems, but you also have a really big team, a really successful YouTube empire. Um, when, when somebody says to me, hey, I'm curious about YouTube, I go, I'll talk to Sean. Like, go look up Sean's stuff. Go look up Sean's stuff. Um, so how did YouTube get added to kind of that mix of, ooh, I think I could do something different with my life? Yeah, I mean, the it goes back to vision. And it goes back to one of my favorite phrases is reasons come first, results come second. So it goes back to having like, what are you fighting for? And, and to me, that is, that's the thing in front of goals. It's the fire that fuels the goal. Because if the goal is not attached to, I would argue, something of deeper meaning. You know, one of the things I've been struggling with is I've actually 
had a dim vision of wanting to be Brad Pitt fight club ripped for probably a decade now. Um, yeah. but for whatever reason, it's not strong enough because we both share, we both run and that's not helping me get there. All that cardio, no. which I enjoy is not helping me. I avoid lifting heavy things. Um, and I think that it's because I haven't, my, my reasons, uh, maybe it was John Maxwell. Many have said it's not, in, you don't really change unless there's enough pain Unless there's an or enough there's a big enough reason. And typically pain motivates us more than the potential of of pleasure. Like I, I do want to see myself in the mirror like that, but it's like, mm. but one of the things that's interesting is I'm 39 now and actually quite literally feeling some pain in my physical body and understanding now the necessity of strength training simply for my uh, my muscles and, and everything else. So all that to say was YouTube for me, I got into video just by volunteering at my local church in 2003. The first YouTube channel I started was in 2007. And so I was dabbling in, that's two years after YouTube started. I'm dabbling in YouTube. I start getting into social media simply to help market this local church. And then it went, though in 2009, when my reasons got set on fire was when my wife almost died. And my wife, Sonia, gets super sick. She develops this chronic illness on a trip to the Philippines, is thrown up 10 to 15 times a day for a couple of years and eventually drops to 82 pounds, is hospitalized. And I find myself by her side for six days. That's the kind of room and, and moment and emotion where you have a lot of reflection time, a lot of anxiety and worry time, but also a lot of deep thinking. I've heard psychologists call it mortality motivation. We were very young. We got married at 21. Uh, she got sick two years later, and now we're in our mid-20s, and this is all happening. And typically, you feel invincible in your 20s, but now we're staring death in the face and wondering, like, what? how much time do we have? what are we giving our time to? What are we building towards? And so it was kind of those deeper questions that really began to fuel me. Reasons come first, results come second. And so my reason for going all in on YouTube was like many people want to build a social media following these days because of the fortune and because of the fame. And I think those are like good secondary benefits. But I think that for me, it was about my family and it was about medical bills. It was about finding a way to work from home. And that motivation was so strong, John, that like those reasons propelled me to let the results follow. So then it was like, I've got to figure out a way to do this. And so setting goals was how many videos can I upload a week? And how can I create better systems around those? And then maybe could we get to a thousand subscribers in a month? Could we get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year? And so again, I think all of those following tactical details of goal setting are huge, but it comes back to reasons come first, results come second. Having a burning vision, not just kind of a picture of like, I kind of want to be Brad Pitt fight club ripped, but one thing for me that was unshakable was I'm going to fight for my family. Like I'm going to figure this thing out. And, and when we attach sometimes our goals or our aspirations, of course, to other people, something bigger than us, sometimes we won't fight as hard for ourselves as we will for our kids or for our spouse. And so uh, that was, that was the, what lit the fire for YouTube. And then it just kind of created a compound effect that uh, is still going today. Yeah. And that, it's been so fun to watch that go so as an author, and, and you're an author too, but you know, one of the moments that's fun about being an author is when you finally get the book, you get to hold the real book in your hands. It's, you know, sometimes it's a box they deliver on your doorstep. Sometimes you don't even see it until it's at a bookstore. What's that moment for you in your YouTube journey? Because now like there's a lot of people that will go, okay, now like you're super successful at it. But along the way, what were some of those, 
oh my gosh, like, is it getting a plaque in the mail? Is it the first time somebody who doesn't know you says, hey, wait a second, I would do your, I love your videos. Like, what are some of those moments that were micro milestones along the way as you chase that big reason? Yeah, I think the the one for being a YouTube creator is definitely the plaque at 100,000. They give you a silver one. Behind me is uh, the gold play button for a million subscribers. And now we're about to get another silver and another silver, which is just wild to say. I mean, there's a kind of a yeah. compound effect and you can leverage the bigger channel to build off some smaller channels rather quickly and all kinds of things. And this all, we obviously should be pretty good at this because we have the audacity to teach it. And so, so you keep yeah. getting these plaques, uh, holding YouTube secrets. My book for the first time was one of those. And you, you hit them all really. I think what is most impactful though, is, is someone's story. And we have an in-person event. And when you get face to face, DMS are cool. The email's cool. Maybe even an audio message shows up in an Instagram DM. But when I have, I've done a couple meetups, different times, sometimes we'll do a meetup before other industry events. And man, when someone comes face to face, it's like, Hey, um, you know, you've changed my life or we're in a whole different place. And what's also kind of funny is I, I think for everybody listening to this, you just oftentimes don't know the impact you're making. Sometimes you do get analytics, but at least in our case, I went to, I remember vid summit last year with my friend, Daryl Eves event. And there was like the opening night networking party. And this couple came up to uh, me who I think had started doing kind of like uh, e-commerce or kind of like flipping, flipping things. They first started flipping things that helped them kind of get out, get some money going. And then they started to teach how they were flipping things and all this stuff on YouTube. And they go, Hey man, we discovered your content a couple of years ago. And um, we started to just follow all the steps. And now like we're completely financial free, financially free. And we're trying to hire some other editors to help, you know, what we're doing. But here's what's funny about these stories, John, is whenever I hear these, I'm like, where have you been? You know how, how many dark nights of the soul I've had in the last four <laughs> yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. Like I, you just could, you could have like sent me a card or something. I mean, I, I'm really <laughs> grateful you're telling me right now, so but like, yeah. you know, I just happened to be. And, and so a lot of times, you know, I think people's feedback of the impact you're making, it just goes unspoken. And if they ran into you at an airport or something, that's the time they're like, hey, by the way, I just want you to know how meaningful. So those are the biggest ones. When you're able to realize it's never, especially with the big numbers of social media or how big the numbers can get, those are people. I mean, if there's an individual on the other side with fears and with children and with ups and with downs and that have been struggling through things. And so uh, that is what we try to keep front and center at our company, Think Media, is that it's all about people. And we always try to shrink down the big numbers into individual stories of how lives are being changed. And I've, I've seen you do that over the last few years um, where you're continually putting the focus back on people because you're right. When you grow a business, when you scale a business, it's easy to look at people as numbers, um, people as stats, people as data and going, no, you're right. That's a real mom. She's a stay-at-home mom that wants to do a YouTube channel or wants to do a different goal. And we're going to help her figure that out. And there's going to be an extra thousand dollars that she makes every month that changes what she's able to do. Like she's going to be able to change the structure of her family by developing this thing that at first people might not understand. So somebody listening to this today, let's, let's jump specifically to YouTube because that's your specialty. Maybe I'm listening to this today and I want to do a YouTube channel or I've got one that's been kicking around and I post like once a, once a quarter on it and I don't know what to do. If I was new to YouTube, what are the three things, the five things that you would go, Oh, Hey, 
if you want to like, get involved in YouTube, here's what you need to do. Well, actually, this is some hot off the press kind of 2023 strategy. For 99% of your community and most busy entrepreneurs, authors, corporate leaders, uh, nonprofit leaders, I would be leaning all into vertical video. And we could talk about YouTube, but it's honestly a bigger conversation than that. And so here's what I mean. Um, a friend of mine who's my real estate agent in the Northwest and kind of a real estate investor I'm learning from, his name's Anton Stetner. So like most people, uh, he's built a team at Keller Williams. He's also, and as does deals, does some development projects, has been doing it for a long time. So he's very busy and that's the core work that he does. Yet he understands that being on social media, building your personal brand has value. And not only so he can do more transactions, especially in a real estate market like this, but he's even thinking about raising money for development deals or syndication deals, thinking about all kinds of stuff with land development. So just the power of social media is also, by the way, even prior to saying, how do you crush on YouTube is fortifying strong enough reasons to put in the work necessary to do it. It's a reasons ton of work. Reasons. I think, I think that, that you're, that's one of the things I like about you. You're honest about that. I don't like when people tell me like, well, just do a podcast. It takes like two seconds. And like, right, a sucky podcast takes two seconds. Or write a book. You can do it in like a long weekend. No, you can't. Like, it's not going to be a good book. I think the same is true of a YouTube channel. So I have always appreciated that you don't go, just do a channel. It'll take like nine minutes. And all of a sudden, Brink's truck, doot, doot, back up to your <laughs> yeah, house. Exactly. That's not yeah. how it works. It's not how it works. It definitely takes effort. But this is, if there is the lazy man's, YouTube methodology and social media methodology for this yeah. decade, especially right now, it's vertical video. So here's what Anton's doing. So Anton's committing actually to create a video a day. Here's his YouTube studio, his smartphone. That's literally it. No microphone, no accessories, nothing else. Um, and what he is doing is he's either putting it in selfie mode. He's either uh, doing the green screen effect that you could do in Reels where you see people react to articles. So you take a screenshot of the article on your phone. You, you hit the green screen thing in Instagram Reels or TikTok or, or whatever. And you're like, hey, you might have just saw that feds raise interest rates. Here's a couple thoughts on it. Or he hands his phone to somebody else, his wife, his son, who he's getting involved because his son wants to learn editing and content creation, kicking him a little money. And he just is committed to doing something vertical a day. Now, here's the power of vertical. Creativity works best in constraints. You have to do it in 60 seconds. And your phone is probably the best tool to create the content. Wait, pause and on that so for a second. Go back. You, you keep dropping these really smart things and then just speeding right by them. And I think people are taking notes in their car. Creativity works. Say that again. Creativity works best in constraints. And, ex and I think explain I what you mean by that. And I think I stole that from Life Church, and uh, they have an app called the YouVersion Bible app. It's the biggest, yeah. like one of the most downloaded apps of all time. And so I heard they also just realized that when you, by the way, when you think about starting a YouTube channel, you start thinking about a podcast, you maybe bring in your administrative assistant, you bring in your ops person or something, you sit down. Idea generation meetings are kind of cool, but like not really that cool because of course you're like, we could shoot 10 videos a week and we could build a studio. What if we start doing mini documentaries? Maybe we could shop this to Netflix. Maybe let's could get a like, drone. Right. We're going to get yeah. a drone. Yeah. 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 Let's, here's all the cool gear we could buy. And, yeah. and, and of course, if success is 1% uh, inspiration, 99% 
perspiration. It's actually the execution that comes next. So the creativity works best in constraints is by giving yourself limitations, like everything has to be 60 seconds or less. That's such a benefit because it's one, not that long. So it forces you into a box that actually allows creativity to flourish because now you're going to learn how to storytell or communicate a message in that amount of time. You also, if you're committed to also the constraint of vertical video, which to be clear is, you know, not landscape, but it's that it's the way we look at our phones and vertical video is 60 or less seconds in recorded in video vertically And you can certainly use a fancy camera, but a phone is good enough. And what data is also showing us is that this sort of unrehearsed, raw, relatable format is also very effective. That sometimes overproduction can be hindering to content creation in terms of how effective it is. So sometimes he hands the camera off. He's standing outside and, you know, it's a sunrise and he's like, hey, you might have just saw that. Um, You know, here's the amount of new listings. That's a good time to buy right now. And he's sometimes he does relational stuff. Hey, it's winner who asked like his followers. And by the and so we can all relate to this. He doesn't have a hundred thousand followers. He doesn't have a big audience. We're talking like local hour North of Seattle, Snohomish County, like startup Instagramming. I want to say he's almost to 10,000 followers because of what we're talking about. But you know, you got friends and family following you, a couple colleagues, and we're, we're probably the majority of everyone listening to this might be starting. So he commits to one a day. Here's the cool thing. He does, he spends $1,500 a month. There's another practical tip on editing. His son is helping a little bit, but he's paying one editor mainly to do captions and captions are a big deal. Like those visual embedded captions, they just really help the performance of vertical video. And then finally, I think the key here is these assets. Yes, YouTube. And I, you know, I wrote the book, YouTube Secrets, but the real thing here is it's, he uploads them to YouTube shorts, which There's nothing fancy about that. You just upload it to YouTube and YouTube says, this is a short. That is YouTube's answer to TikTok, to Instagram Reels, their way of distributing content that is that vertical video format. But he also uploads it to TikTok and then he also uploads it to Facebook Reels. Many people here might have a Facebook page, organic Facebook content, not your personal profile, your like business page. And you might've thought, man, it's kind of like, sucked over there. Like it hasn't, there hasn't been reach. It doesn't seem that effective. Maybe it was good years ago. There's like a revival happening on, on Facebook organic right now, in particular via reels. All these platforms are competing for reach and they're putting juice behind this vertical video format. And then finally, Instagram reels, Facebook reels, YouTube shorts, and TikTok. So he uploads these things in four places. And he just sent me an email breaking down the numbers, hundreds of thousands of views after doing this for four months new followers and stuff's coming. Now, there's another being completely transparent, no measurable ROI yet in terms of a converted deal. But I said, yet is the key word though. Yet is the key word. Yet, exactly. And it's only four months in. So you do anything for four months. Again, as soon as I hire my personal trainer for four hours a week, which is my stated written goal, four sessions, got some advice, right? As soon as I do that, you know, Probably after four months, I'm not looking Brad Pitt Fight Club ripped yet. You know what I mean? Like no matter what I do, like, and so it's 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 gonna take longer than that. But he already has a lot of conversation started, a lot of, and even the sales cycle of real estate can be many, especially in a in an economy like this. It could be longer than a month or two or three, sometimes days on market, whatever. All that to say is, I go, Anton, you sell one million dollar home, which is 
close to the median actually in the area is 3%, you're going to make 30 grand. So you could do this for two years. You'll break even at that moment, but there, he's already measuring a lot of the ancillary benefits, networks, open conversation and stuff's happening. And he's really at the beginning stage. And he admits, doesn't know what he's doing. You know, knows he's doing stuff wrong, making it up, does is studying think media in our content, but it's like trying to absorb a whole new skill set. And that's that's the the key one thing he's doing in the cool thing is his YouTube channels up hundreds of percents. You know, it, it tells you your growth to be more practical, maybe got like 80,000 views on YouTube shorts over there. But you have this one asset that now could be deployed multiple places. And when you're clear on your message and you're clear on your brand, in this case, it's not like you're doing different things on different platforms. You're, you just sort of have the same consistent message. You have the same consistent desire. And he also admitted there was at no point during that time that he gave any clear call to action. So I said, you know, at one point you might want to say, if you're, int- if you're planning on buying or selling, DM me the word X and you could get back to him or use a bot. So there's a lot of sophistication he can also layer on, but he's doing it, I think, exactly right. Starting before he's ready, just kind of starting messy, you know, your book start, punched fear in the face, and, and just press record. And then he's um, evolving as he goes. So that's what I would do in, in, in a 2023 world and beyond is I would lean on vertical video. It's the best bang for your buck. It's still going to take effort. So I don't want to yeah. undersell the effort, but the ROI in terms of how you could be on different platforms to have brand awareness, top of mind awareness. And as you connect that dot of the call to action, whatever you want to happen, more book sales, maybe it's recruiting. Maybe you just want to have your personal brand out there so you can be aware of what your mission and company vision is. The benefits of building a personal brand or even a corporate brand, but a personal brand are relevant for 100% of your listeners. If they have any ambitions, which they do, or on a goal setting podcast, yeah. it can help you build, reach your ambitions. And so vertical video would be the vehicle I would lean into. I, I love that. And there's four, there's a couple of things I want to react to. One, the creativity and constraints. My favorite story about that was the study they did where they put a bunch of kids on a playground and the kids stuck closely to the playground. And then they put a, that same group of kids on that same playground, but this time there was a fence around the playground and they explored every inch of the land because they had the safety of the constraint. The fence actually made them braver and more creative because they said, oh, okay, we've got a constraint. That's always how I think about constraints. The second thing is I have a friend who just did a seven figure contract and the people found him on Instagram. He posts on Instagram and they said during the negotiation, oh, we've been following you for a long time. And my version of that is I'll have people say, I've been reading your books for 10 years and now I'm in a position to hire you to come speak to my company. And they might even say, I saw you in college speak at my campus and you know, you did a speech at my campus and now I'm a mid-level executive and I've always wanted to bring you to an event and now I finally have one. It took 10 years. I didn't know they were watching. I didn't know they were reading. I just had to keep kind of reaping and sowing. Um, and, and then I want to come back to what you said about the four hours. So you've got a personal trainer. What are your goals this year? So I know that you're a goal guy. So one is the personal trainer. What are you, and, and I know you do experiments. Like when we were hanging out over the last two years, you'd go, hey, there's this new, you know, cryotherapy. Like I'm trying this new thing. Like you're a dude who will dip his toe in the waters and go, I'm going to try this for, for a month and see if it changes anything. If it doesn't, I'm going to try something else. What's on your kind of try list or your goal list this year? 
Yeah. So health, uh, I'm focusing on five areas where I think about setting goals in the areas of, of health, relationships, money, um, separate from business. How do you multiply your money? How do you make your money matter in terms of giving and all of that business and then faith? And those are my four areas, five, five areas. And then I, I think that trying to really crush it in all five is a recipe for probably crushing it in none of them. Of course, you got to manage all five. But for me, health is my big one. I've got some chronic pain um, in my arms from just overwork and overuse, repetitive strain injury from using the computer for from 20 to 32, video editing and just bad ergonomics and not strength training. Um, and so I am really tackling the health bucket this year. So the strength training, I, I, from investing in learning, being a part of masterminds, being a part of different things, listening to a health speaker recently, that I've studied a lot of this MED, minimum effective dose for our body, Tim Ferriss. And how can you not just have to go extremes? Like if I'm going to get in shape, I got to be in the gym 10 hours a day, every day. No. But it's like, no, if you could do four hours a week, also not just dabbling, that's how I'm going to do it if I do it by myself. Yeah, you know, a couple bicep curls, 15 minutes of scrolling on Instagram. Yeah. So I definitely need to submit to somebody else. And wisdom I've gotten is, they, this was a good, powerful thing this person said. They said, you know, you've been the CEO of your own fitness up until this point. How's that working out for you? Oh, dude, come on. Come on. That you is probably so fire you. good. That is yeah, so Yeah, he's like, you... You, if, if, if you don't like the results, you should probably fire the CEO and, yeah. and hire somebody to help. And so I've heard that even hiring a personal trainer for even a year to get the habits and the routines, the momentum, the feedback and the form yeah. and even the core fitness. So hiring, one of the challenges is we're splitting our time between Seattle and Vegas. So I'm already, I already texted ahead. I had the connections. I'm getting Vegas set up, but I haven't started that yet. And so again, I'm telling you, that's my commitment, but, but as a baseline shooting for those four sessions a week. And my practicality is also, I'm trying to be done with work. I run my own business by three so that I can, if it's 30 minutes of driving, one hour to working out and 30 minutes of getting back or, and hopefully it's not that far away. Um, and even if they come to me, then I could shower and do whatever so that I can honor my family and be done by five and have that work out. And also morning doesn't work for me. I like to do some fitness things in the morning, even run, but I'm not going to do a full on workout in the morning. I like to get to work, do my morning routine. So that's a big one for me. A little bit more geeky stuff. I am going all in on health as well. I just invested in the superhuman protocol, which is, you know, 10 or 20 minutes on a PEMF map, post electronic magnetic field. That's how you D, uh, clear your body. Same effect. It's real science backed, but same effect of walking barefoot an hour every day, touching the earth. Oh, the ground. We should all do that. Yeah. And none of us probably do because it's either freezing or who has an hour. So it's it's sort of, yeah, grounding. Then you you actually put on an oxygen mask and suck down light workout of 20 minutes of, of oxygen. We are breathing 22% probably about right now. And you're going to be breathing in a little over 50%. That just, there's big boxes downstairs. So that piece of the system just got here. And then you do red light therapy, to charge up your cells. Um, How often are you that. doing it, that? Like that protocol, how often are you doing that? Um, every day, but probably hit four days a week. Yeah, yeah. So and you goal can every the day, timelines. flexibility, four, four mm -hmm. days a week. Yeah, that, that's my, the older I get and the more I do goals. Like my favorite read through the Bible plan is a five day a week plan. Because I love that it goes, hey, let's be real. You're not going 365 for 365. If you no do five of seven, 
what a win. So, dude, that is my – and as a younger man when I was on goals, I was like, no, dude, you got to go hardcore. You got every day – you got to streak yep. them, and if you miss a day, whole thing's wasted. And then perfectionism was crippled me. Okay, so you're trying – that's what I meant. I knew if I asked you that question about <laughs> tell me the stuff that there were boxes downstairs with an oxygen that's system right. – who who uh, turned you on to that approach? Like what what I mean, I'm sure it was in a mastermind or a, a speaker. Yeah, so te- the so uh, Grant Cardone, I know he's an interesting character, but he purchased this company called and rebranded it 10x Health Systems. So Gary Brecca is uh, 10x Health Systems, and then also Da Vinci Medical. So they already what he saw was this thing was like, and you know one of the craziest things about Grant is he's in his 60s and getting younger. Grant is in his 60s, dude. Yeah. Like you look at his videos a few years ago. That dude must be a vampire. He's either doing something right or he's a vampire. Those are the only two options. Because when you see his videos, he does not read as a 60-year-old man on on Instagram or and you've met him in real life. So like I like that's crazy. And our similar friend, Pete Vargas, has the full superhuman. Now, if you go crazy, the PEMF mat is like 5K. The oxygen is like 5K. The red light therapy bed they sell is $120,000. Dude. (laughs) And so I have a couple red light panels, and they they now have different packages. I'm like, yeah, A, I don't have the space for that. B, I wouldn't be buying that anyways. That's the little. But, you know, and it's sort of like there is... Yeah. All that to say is that that's what it is. And I was talking to my friend, Pete Vargas, our mutual friend, and he was uh, uh, mentioning that I, I go, have you been doing superhuman? So also like talking to people, not just better marketing it, not just whatever, but he goes, yeah, you know, it gives me a second day. So I had a day that just crushed me at work, stress, you know, anxiety, whatever else. And I want to really show up for my family. And so I did it in between work and going home and it, and it, reset my whole system, recharge me, re-energize me. Now, going a deeper level too, as I studied PEMF mats, same thing with red light therapy. And I'm sure, you know, listening to this, not that I could say I'm a scientist or a biologist because I am not, but I have deeply researched these things. And there is Mayo Clinic and everything else. This is real. Red light therapy can help you with uh, reduction of the appearance of scars. It helps your complexion and your skin. It could penetrate the infrared, penetrates and helps muscle recovery after working out and even can help repair nerves. Now, it's not some magic. I didn't stand in front of it once and like my nerves are better. But when I thought about first, the issue I'm trying to solve of chronic pain, tendonitis, tendinosis, I thought, okay, if there's anything, if I'm able as an entrepreneur to invest in my health, this is one of the best investments I can make for my family, for my business, but also if there's ancillary benefits. So same thing with PEMF mats is they can help, you know, your, our cells can become kind of like raisins. And when you're, when you are on one of these things, they could become more like grapes. Tony Robbins is known for using a more intense one called the Hugo intense where 10, 20 minutes a day, he does it every day, but if he's speaking, and he's known for speaking nine, like 10, 12, 13 hours. hours. Like that dude puts in work. He uses it every single time. And he actually makes a magnetic taco. There's a, there's a mat above you and below you. And you're basically kind of sort of like electrocuting your body. And it sounds crazy. Of course, everyone's got to do yeah, their yeah. own research, but, but it's, uh, it's, it's this, this thing is legit and it can, and it has healing properties. So I actually ordered two different PEMF mats. One's back ordered. That is sort of the new version of what Tony does. And some are more, 
grounding, like they're more like maintaining health. And, and before bed, there's different settings where you sleep better. You have deeper sleep, deeper alpha waves. You're getting your alkaline, dealkaline to your body or whatever. I'm throwing out terms from experts I trust. I'm not the expert. Um, but I ordered another one that is more curative in the sense of when you've got the scar tissue or uh, muscles and, and issues in blood flow and I'm trying to promote healing, I'm looking at it from both sides. Maybe the, what I'm getting at is summarizing all this was that I've got a particular thing that I absolutely want to invest in related to my health. But while I'm at it, I'm also leaning into these things for even just longevity past that. So making a purchase, the second PEMF mat I purchased like 11 grand, uh, pyramids, uh, flash, and it has a mat above and below and a couple other attachments. And, um, this one's back ordered for a while, but that should be coming in the next couple of months. I was one, if this helps my arms even a, a little bit, great. But now that I've done the research of like, as a wanting to be a speaker or as a speaker that runs my own events and sometimes, you know, does all the above, then I would invest in this regardless. I see that this is an investment in my future. Last thing I'll, I'll, I'll speak to is we did an event in Vegas with Gary Vaynerchuk, Alex Ramosi, Patrick Bet David, and, uh, I wanted to be at my best. So before it, I did a marathon stack, marathon runner stack of an IV drip, B12, glutathione. You could do it for recovery, but you can also do it to like ahead of time. And then the first night I had my assistant, Steph, just put four bags of ice in my hotel room. And then I, I did a cold plunge in my <laughs> bathtub for de-inflammation, yeah, yeah. you know, help sleep deeper. And so, so I'm also, I geek out on that as well. So I'm yeah. thinking, okay, there's healing and health, but there's also just high performance for now and for the future of, of life and longevity. And, uh, that's where I, I come from for pursuing these different tools and solutions. Yeah. And I think what's fun is that there's definitely a ton of people listening that are like, Oh my gosh, this all sounds bonkers. But here's what I'd say. When you are working on your goals, you should be weird at some level. Like you shouldn't, if what you're doing is getting you common results, you should try something that's weird. Like a weird thing that I do that, and it's not health related necessarily, but it's time related is that I needed more time in my day. I couldn't find the time. And so one day when I was sitting, when I sat down on a plane, I said, I wonder how much time it takes between when I sit down and when we take off. And so I started timing it every flight and I timed 20 different flights. It was on average 30 minutes. And if I fly a hundred times a year, I just found 50 hours I can use instead of wow. just scrolling Instagram, instead of just whatever. Now, when you see me sit down on a plane, like it's go time. Like I just got, I'm not going to give those 30 minutes to Delta, to Southwest or whatever. Like I'm going to, and again, I know the person next to me is like, what is this weirdo doing starting his timer? Why has he already got his laptop out? Why, you know, like, but for me, I, I love that you're doing that because it's an experiment. It's also, um, you're tracking it. And you're also talking to people that are further ahead than you, like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and going, hey, what are you doing that I don't know about? Because that's what I don't think a lot of people know is that you bump into these high performance people. And if, they're, if you'll ask them humble questions, they'll give you true answers often. And they'll say, well, actually, like I do a cold plunge or actually I do affirmations or actually I do this thing. And I'll talk about it a lot because the broader community might not understand it. And it's too weird for some people, but it works for me. Like, I don't care if it's weird, if it works. Like, I really don't. So same with your arms. Like if the infrared, if the red light helps and it, you're, and you're able to perform better, 
Like, who cares? Like, who, like, for me, and then I just think science-wise, like, 200 years ago, we were like, man, leeches. That's the thing, dude. Leeches. And we as humans like to think we've got it dialed in now. But, dude, 200 years from now, people are going to be like, I can't believe they didn't know about blank. So trying this edge stuff, dude, I love that. So that's your help. What's your, like, what's your financial side? Maybe we'll hit one more and then I'll let you get out of here. What's your financial? Give us a picture of your, the ones you want to share. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to share. We, we are shooting for a eight fig top line in our company. We hit like 6.8 last year. So, um, and that's also tough. The reason I say it's tough is because our theme for the year, that's, part of goal setting. We do set a theme every year, a company theme. Our theme this year is built to last. Our theme last year was at at our best uh, from carrying new off at your best book and wanted to be healthy. And actually both themes kind of are, are both related to sustainability, health, um, you know, being built to last, getting our core values, codifying our core values at a new level, vision, mission, but also getting the right team in the right places, getting the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus. Of course, built to last Jim Collins, but also just built to last um, building on the rock in general of thinking about like, let's really be built strong so we can weather the storm for the next 10 to 20 years and not be, I'm pressured in my industry to just do the comparison thing, look at everybody else around me. And you never know what's going on behind the scenes, but also social media is so frantic. It's so about like trying to go viral and just this, there could be that anxious energy. We're trying to push that away and say, it's about slow and steady wins. I don't need to be the hare. I'm happy to be the tortoise. And, uh, and so with that, by raising our revenue goal, where we said no to five things this year. So no event, even though our event, this, and this was so hard, John, our event crushed. People were like, you are insane. You had the greatest event of the, you had Gary Vee and Alex Ramosi. And so to say no to one of the greatest things, but just knowing that we actually don't have the team or the sustainable infrastructure, it stretched us. It was a good stretch, but it would be the wrong leadership move until we are built to last. So we were taking a year off. And so oh, I was we're thinking about launching a new book. We actually are postponing that. So we actually really got clear on five things we weren't doing. I think that should and could lead to revenue growth, but that's what that one is. And then we also, we have noted, we sponsor 101 kids through Compassion International. My wife and I do that, but we've applied it to the whole company. It's obviously the whole company's effort that allows there to be the revenue to do such. So we're shooting for 200. Uh, so we have our giving goals, our make money matter goals in terms of monthly sponsorship there. And then we have goals, uh, we are working with kind of a new financial planner. And so we have goals of also one of the biggest blind spots for me, or maybe just lack of education areas is a lot of entrepreneurs can be good at making money, but they're not great at multiplying money when it comes to investments, when it comes to tax strategy. So those are some of our big goals this year in regards to whether that's defined benefit plans, retirement, thinking about that side of things, or whether it's trying to build cash flowing assets through dividend stocks, through real estate, or through investing in real estate syndications and different things like that. So we have all of those things um, written down. And then it's hiring goals. We have some very specific, the built to last plan is very clear for us. And I think what was wild was our whole team had like a breath of fresh air. There was some transitions that happened and there were some gaps. So we know we needed to do some new hiring and it was all in a pretty good timing anyways, because Five years, we're about year six of business, but five years of our event, Growth Video Live, and we're taking a break. And that's kind of a big picture of being built to last. Five years of it, 
And it was kind of coming into this year, like, man, we're out of breath. We did it. We were in startup mode, but startup mode was not a sustainable mode. And so this is sort of a reset time. Let's be built to last. And so our next event is May, 2024. And during our leadership retreat in December, we were like, we have 17 months to get some things in place, to get some key hires going, to work on culture a little bit, to work on some things. And so this has been hard for me. It's been a lot of maturing for me because I've been the startup guy that just move fast, break things, like kind of chaotic, which is, I think, the essential personality type to start what we started and get it off the ground. It also can become the most toxic personality type to the next generation of the company. So whether so me having to mature, slow down a little bit and realize that uh, as I think they say in the Marines, that slow is smooth and smooth is fast, that where, where we might perceivably lose ground in a 12-month period, I think people could be shocked where we are in 36 months because of making some less ego-stroking decisions of building the hidden things of team and systems that uh, don't show up immediately through like a viral social media post, but bear fruit for years to come. Dude, I, I love that. And this is why I knew we'd have such a fun conversation is that there's times some, sometimes I'll have somebody on and go, well, what are your goals? And they'll go, you know, just a pretty good life. Or like, and, I, and, I'll, <laughs> and I won't have follow-up questions because I'm like, oh, they don't have any goals. Like, what am I doing? So I knew that as soon as we got to talk, you would have amazing goals to share. Only two more questions. And I, I think we could talk all day. But number one, um, what are your, you know, Mount Rushmore of nonfiction books. So minus the Bible, like you don't have to say the Bible if that was one of your answers, but I'm talking about the books that if somebody was like, Hey, I want to change my life, improve my life, have a goal. What's on your Mount Rushmore? Or you can answer it this way. Cause sometimes it's people are like four books all at once. What book have you given away more than any other, other than your own? You wrote YouTube secrets. It's a great, here's how to do YouTube. But other than that, what are your go-to books? I would cluster number one, uh, Maxwell and his number titles. So 15 laws of growth, 17 laws of teamwork and 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Uh, and the growth one's one of my favorites to kind of revisit because it gets you back into that growth mindset. And it's one of maybe the best goal setting books because you're seeing the future, you're committing to growth. Even we could geek out, of course, in like the atomic habits where even having sort of like not results goals, but having action goals. Like I don't want to lose 20 pounds. I just want to walk 20 minutes a day. And, and that that commitment to growth ends up accomplishing the goals rather than even committing to goals. But I digress. I've really been into Patrick Lancioni lately as a team being built to last. We're actually not reading Jim Collins built to last a little bit old and great. We're reading the advantage by Patrick Lancioni, why organizational health trumps everything. And so, um, He's got the five temptations of a CEO. So I'm almost like throwing out offer, uh, authors. He's got those fables that are, are super insightful. So those are, um, those are a couple big ones for me. I, I love that. I, and I knew you'd have an answer. Because um, sometimes people, you can see them turn in their chair and they look at their shelves and they're like, what's up? I'm looking shelf? at my shelf. Exactly. I don't even have my right shelf with me though. I've got a shelf here. I've got shelves in Vegas. I've got a shelf in the closet. Yeah. I'm like, what's behind that door? I think the follow-up uh, interview a year from now, you're going to be, we're going to be doing this from a hundred thousand uh, dollar infrared bed. I think you're going to be, yes. it's going to be like the Lambo of beds. Um, last question. Where can people find out more about you and more about what you and your team do? Um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, and grateful to you and your community. 
Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel. <laughs> Sean <laughs> Cannell. So good, dude. Come on. Come on. That's so good. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm just excited. Sh- Sean Cannell on all the social media platforms. And then Think Media is the main YouTube channel. If and when you're like, hey, I kind of want to build a studio. I do want to build out a video podcast, cameras and microphones. A lot of that help as well as the video marketing help. And then uh, I do highly recommend leaning into YouTube. And the second edition of our book, YouTube Secrets, just came out. So it's three new chapters, 90 new pages, completely overhauled. John, we're almost to 100,000 copies. My, maybe at this moment, we're at maybe 100,000 copies, counting the first and second edition of audiobooks, ebooks, and physical books of the book. So it's been cool. I think it's the number That's one awesome. bestselling YouTube strategy book in the world. That's and amazing. so if anyone wants to check out YouTube Secrets, um, it's out on Amazon and Audible. Congrats, dude. Congrats. That is super fun to hear. And a, a really hard goal. It, I think it gets harder and harder every year to sell books and 100,000 is a ton. So that's that's a big... There's no plaque. So I'll just tell you with my words. Congratulations. There's a, like the library doesn't mail you a plaque, unfortunately, um, or like your publisher. So but, congrats, dude. That's awesome. No, you're one of my author heroes. So coming from you, that's all I needed was was this moment in podcast history of you <laughs> yeah. giving, me, giving me a verbal... Dude, that's huge. 100,000 is huge. That's so cool. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, It's a blast getting to be your friend. Um, We've actually hung out. You're one of the people that I've known for a while, but we've actually been in the same room. There's a bunch of my friends that I know via YouTube or Twitter or whatever, or masterminds that are virtual, but we've never actually hung out. And it's been an honor to get to be your friend. And I love the stuff you do. And I appreciate you sharing today. Appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to my interview today with Sean Cannell. I love that he said his name rhymes with YouTube channel. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you guys write are super encouraging. So please keep those coming. Please make sure you subscribe or write a review or follow whatever the kids are saying. I'll see you next Monday. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.